All right. What's up, everyone? Sorry for running a little late, but welcome to another edition of our weekly Friday market update. Every Friday, I look at all the different headline articles about the U.S. economy, about the real estate market, but also what is happening locally here in the Bay Area that you should know about. Now, before we begin, if you or anyone you know is right now renting, considering to buy, or is even thinking about selling to do a trade-up, love to be introduced and help them every step of the way. It's been fantastic doing this show for basically seven, eight months straight every Friday now. And uh, certainly I've learned a lot and I'm sure a lot of you guys have learned a lot as to what is actually happening here in the Bay Area. Without further ado, let's get started with the headline articles of the day. So uh, many of you have known that San Francisco apartment rents had been cratering, literally cratering over the last six, seven months. You can see from a year over year perspective, which is actually, if you compared it to March, the numbers may be actually be worse because this looked at the previous year, but it does give you an idea what has been going on. And I've said it all along and it makes sense. There's not much to do in San Francisco these days. Not much is open still. A lot of the work, especially those that are at startups have gone in more remote than other companies for various reasons. And we'll go over that, why they're doing what they're doing. But uh, it certainly has put a lot of downward pressures for apartments. What I find very interesting, so it's 31%, but this is for studios, right? So you do want to understand which of the types of apartments are getting impacted the most. So studios, because they're the smallest, uh, and they're typically by just an individual living in a studio, has dropped about 31% year over year versus one bedroom rents have dropped 24% and two bedrooms for 21%. What's actually also very interesting is you can get an idea now of how this median rent compares to a lot of other cities uh, all over the US, but especially here in the Bay Area. So you're actually seeing some levels now, you know, SF is no longer the highest rent market uh, in the US. Uh, New York is back to being the highest at 24.95 for a studio given how much it has dropped. But you can see a lot of other more expensive Bay Area uh, cities. As I mentioned, studios have gotten way more impacted because everybody needs more space. And those individuals that are renting a studio tends to be more transient by nature, given it's probably a younger individual, may not even be married. Um, so different factors just by who, who chooses a studio versus a one bedroom or a two bedroom. But you can see the figures. The more expensive markets like a Santa Clara, San Mateo, they have dropped 19, 18% respectively. Uh, even Alameda has dropped 12%. Keep in mind the studios, one bedrooms a lot less than that and two bedrooms even less than that. Now, I suspect though that this number will actually be worse if you actually compare this to, if you compare this to uh, since March, because that's when actually the shelter in place took place. Uh, rents were actually rising ever since, uh, if you compare it from October of last year to early this year. So if you actually look at the numbers, it will actually be worse than uh, what's being reported because they even provided additional free months of rent. So something to be aware of. Now, at the same time, people are falling into a trap, right? So the trap is this. People say, hey, look, oh man, all of a sudden that rent is so much less I'm going to keep extending my rents and I'm not going to be into home ownership. You also have to realize the incredible time that we're in when it comes to interest rates right now. If interest rates do increase, 
which is generally signs of a stronger economy, it tends to, you're, you better hope that the price will decrease at that time as well. Given at the end of the day, it's not about the price of the home, but it's also about what your monthly payment would be. So I've had a lot of friends that are falling into this trap right now, thinking just because rent is lower, they're just going to keep renting indefinitely, which just pushes out their home ownership goals much further. So something to be aware of uh, when it comes to the rental market just in general. Uh, so let's move on to the next one. Next one is related to Dropbox. So Dropbox announced they're not doing a quote unquote hybrid model. They're doing a quote unquote virtual first model. So Dropbox is an interesting story because they still have a 15 year lease in San Francisco uh, that started, I think, a couple of years ago. And I think it was like 700,000 square foot of office space. Now, I'm not sure if they're able to break it or if they plan to break it, but it will certainly help them with their goals of, of being able to have additional uh, workspace. At the same time, it's also important to understand the size of Dropbox. Dropbox is a very popular company. I use it. Lots of people use it. Uh, at the same time, you also under, want to understand how many people are actually in that company itself. Dropbox has about 3,000 people across the world, not just in San Francisco. So something to be aware of, of the size of them. Of, but at the same time, it's interesting to see these medium-sized companies are making these changes, which I have said it all along and I say every week. Their model is going to be they want to have a... a a virtual model first as in work from home. But then when it comes to like collaboration and comes to uh, for strategy sessions, then they'll use the office space for that. So they will repurpose their existing space. But then again, they still have a massive 15 year lease on a very prime uh, space in San Francisco. So I'm not sure how they're going to negotiate that or how that will be played out, but it will be interesting to see uh, moving forward. Now, Microsoft, on the other hand, gives people the option to work from home permanently. Now, it will be interesting to see because they are a massive company. And Microsoft is one of the largest to announce this. Now, they are not going to do this quote-unquote uh, virtual model. They're doing a hybrid model. So it basically means people will come into the office a couple of times a week, which is how I envision a lot of other larger companies will operate. Now, at the same time, there are, will be people, which has always been in the past, to be able to work remotely uh, indefinitely, but it will require manager's approval. And it's not that easy to accomplish. I have many friends at Facebook, it's just because they want to, there's a there's different criteria and different milestones needed for that kind of approval. And the other thing that's always a question mark when it comes to this is how will promotions work? How will being on top of doing what you're supposed to be doing and being involved with core projects work? Microsoft has always been an interesting case because while they have a very big campus here in the Bay Area, their main campus is, of course, in, in the Seattle market. And I've always known for, for a long time that if you wanted to be on meaningful projects, you most likely had to be in Seattle because that's where all the top executives are. That's where a lot of the core things are being done. So it will be interesting to see how does this massive company handle those internal politics, but you, because you cannot lie and you cannot not agree that there are a lot of politics when it comes to bigger companies. So how do you play the game if you're doing it all remotely? I don't know. I don't know how that can be possibly done. And in politics, this is natural when you're a bigger company. That's just how it works. So that's interesting to see Microsoft giving people the option. 
they've kind of always did it. So it's not, it wasn't a surprise to me, but for a lot of people, people wanted me to talk about this. Now, what else is going on? So Amazon, oh, so Amazon has bought a huge site near downtown San Jose. So this is for Amazon Web Services. What's interesting, and I apologize, I don't have the subscription to the Mercury News here per se, but what's interesting, as I mentioned many, many times, which is if Google Village, and I said this to a lot of my clients, so this is a little intel because of you tuning in. Think about how companies have expanded their corporate real estate office. Think about the Bay Area. Think about Seattle. Think about Austin. Think about New York. Think about Denver. Think about these areas that big tech companies have either a presence or offices at. Do you think it's just one company alone that's in that area? Just look at it all. It's never been that way. So my bull case for those that are considering in downtown San Jose is this. Google has a massive project there. If Google will be able to successfully develop that area, Google will not be the only big tech company there. You will see Amazon there. You will see Microsoft there. You will see Facebook likely expand there. So it is going to be really interesting to see because it's going to be a massive catalyst. That's a big if, if Google Village actually plays through because they want to be there to take each other's talents. So especially if people are going to the office for more social aspects, they will surely go to the office to be more social with other coworkers, which happens, or other companies, which happens all the time. So it will be interesting to see how this plays out. Amazon, as you can see, is making has made a has made a play. They have bought land, not just leasing space. So really interesting to see. But that's my thesis as to how these companies have been growing the corporate real estate portfolio for a long time. Now, who else is making a big play on buying corporate real estate? Now you can you can believe all you want about everyone thinking that they're going to be remote, but not all jobs will be able to do that, especially biotech. So there's a reason why Genentech submits a big plan to double its South San Francisco footprint. If you are in biotech or many of your friends are in biotech, share this with them. Because as you all know, South San Francisco is pretty packed already, right? People that work there know is like there's not much uh, space there. And Genentech owns all huge corporate campus there. And so for Genentech to plan to double its employee base there from 10,500 10, to 22,500, uh, something really interesting to see, right? And biotech is doing phenomenal, right? Right now in the Bay Area, people just think we're just pure tech, but biotech has overpassed a lot of areas, whether they're either above, either like a Boston or San Diego, you may take a look at the count again. The Bay Area biotech industry is huge. And it's a lot of is to take, they can also take talent from those that are in tech, especially now there's a lot more, analytics, there's a lot more data science, there's a lot more engineering happening in those companies than ever before. So it's very interesting to see this happened. Um, I heard of it recently, but uh, it was, I think it's been around for some time, but just something, just something I've, I found recently too. All right, so let's talk about the uh, mortgage rates itself. So average 30-year mortgage rates continue to fall to an all-time low, um, very beneficial for home buyers, especially beneficial for trade-ups. Now, if I had a lot of conversation with those considering trade-ups, think about this. When you refinance, that rate typically is lower than a purchase amount. And you may think about maybe potentially doing renovations for your house, which has been through the roof as well. 
But instead of doing that, and instead of doing additions where the city is incredibly slow these days, a lot of people are opting to just sell their house, trade up to a bigger house. And then in that case, they can even get a possibly a lower interest rate given purchase rates are less. And there's a lot of programs to encourage purchases versus refinances. So it's happening a lot. It's causing a lot of activity for move ups, something to be aware of. The other things related to luxury home sales, luxury home sales rises by 41.5%, making the biggest jump since 2013. Now, a lot of it has to do with initially there was a slowdown because jumbo loans were much more restricted. However, over the months, jumbo loans have been in full force. All retail banks are pretty aggressive when it comes to jumbo loans. Like I've had clients, especially like helped the client buy in Palo Alto for, for over $3 million. Like they were able to get rates at, it's like 2.75% for 30 year fix, right? Obviously their loan is like over $2 million. And then if they wanted to, they can get like an adjustable rate mortgage for close to 2%. So jumbo loans for whatever, if you don't believe it, or you're not familiar, has been in full force for a long time already. Hence why those markets have continued to move fast. Like even Palo Alto, when we were making offers before we got into contract, you know, even homes three to four million, five million, we're still going pending in one week, still multiple offers if it was priced fair. People were just more cautious of like, hey, look, are we paying above market for it? If that's the case, and then they'll wait. But if it's selling for what the market will dictate, as in what has sold over the last couple of months, they're moving very fast, right? And never mind the two to two and a half million. I mean, that's very competitive these days. That's, that's, I mean, if it's priced low, you're going to see five to 10 offers easily and sell within a week only because it does, there's a deadline. So something to be aware of when it comes to the luxury home sales, jumbo loans have been back in full force for a long time. Next, home prices rose by record numbers last week. Uh, it's been a it's been a very strong increase, right? Uh, a lot of it has to do with continued the activity going on. Uh, people are realizing and also timing it, right? A lot of people have rent leases and they don't want to break their leases. I've seen a lot of clients their rent leases. Uh, if you break it, you're gonna have to pay the remaining term, which can be basically here in the Bay Area about potentially twenty thousand dollars right? Plus just to break a lease. So a lot of people are actually also timing it. So this is also, this is a reason why new home constructions have done it phenomenally well, because new home constructions take usually more time and you can also plan it accordingly. So you can say, Hey, look, I want to move in in April. Let's buy a new construction home that would be built in April as an example. But people were also considering, well, yeah, let's just break the lease. Um, makes sense to do. So we want to get into home ownership, home ownership because we can lock in the rate right now. So those conversations are happening, but I suspect that we'll see some pretty strong numbers continue to move forward. And you will see that through the market update momentarily. The last piece of news that I do want to bring up is related to the condo market in San Francisco. So the condo market in San Francisco is the weakest it has been in a long, long time. Not a weakest from a price perspective, though. So there's a difference, but the weakest from a competition and inventory level. As you can see, San Francisco homes for sale have hit a 15-year high. Now, single family has done, even though it's a picture of single family, which is a little clickbaitish here, uh, single family has done actually still fine. Um, you can see it from my last report of the market in San Francisco to get an idea like the volume and transactions. However, uh, condos, on the other hand, there is a lot of condos on the market. Last I checked last week was about 1,400 to 1,500 condos on the market. So there's a lot. 
which is good. I mean, it's good for those that are buyers that don't want to pay rent or they look at this as an opportunity because you have a lot to choose from. If you haven't, if you don't, if you don't have options to buy a condo today in San Francisco, I better, you better check your parameters because, uh, there, there's never been a time as you can see that it has more than what there is right now in terms of condos. So you have a ton to choose from. And the average days on market on a condo in San Francisco these days is like 40 something days. So you have also not just a lot of options. You have also a lot of time to make a decision. Now, obviously, uh, you know, prices have only dropped slightly, which is interesting. Um, but at least there is way less competition. You, you know, I be, I love to help you if you're looking in San Francisco, we can negotiate a lot harder because it is clearly in the buyer's hands on one end. On the other end though, at the end of the day, the seller can decide whether they want to accept a lower offer. It just depends on their situation. So that's why the strategy matters so much when it comes to these types of properties, especially when there's a lot of options to choose from. But San Francisco is the unique one. You'll see momentarily through the market report that um, San Francisco is one of the only markets that has is having this problem in the Bay Area. All right, so let's take a look at the uh, numbers itself. So San Mateo County. So San Mateo County, new listings, only 176. Compared to how many contingent pending this week, 193. We're seeing this imbalance again, right? So I suspect prices will get revised from what it is today. But right now, as we see, the number, the prices for single family residential has actually dropped from the previous months. This has a several reasons that it could possibly be. So it will be important to see how this actually ends up for the rest of the month, but also moving next month, given you can see the imbalances now of the contingent pending a week. Uh, but I suspect this level will be slightly higher. However, for those that are wanting that opportunity to actually get into the San Mateo County market, this is your opportunity because you will see that other counties are not experiencing this right now. So something to be aware of if you've been on the fence or you're hoping for some sort of slowdown, uh, this is a great opportunity because it's not happening across the counties in the Bay Area. Now, condos, townhomes, on the other hand, you can see is it picked up a lot versus what it was from the data of last week, right? Now we're above a million dollars for condos, townhomes. So something to be aware of. Uh, things are moving still quickly in this market, but the prices are a little bit weaker than it, than it is in other counties. Let's take a look at Santa Clara County. Santa Clara County, 426 new listings, 427 that went contingent pending this week. So that's kind of falls in line with a lot of the data over the last several weeks. When it hits the market, it will likely be gone that same week. And that is the case if it's priced fair, there's no unusual things as like missing permits uh, or just random things that, that are deal breakers for a lot of people. If priced fair, it will be competitive. You can see though that uh, the figures for uh, Santa Clara County residential has slipped a little bit. We're still at the second highest um, month of the year. And I suspect this will likely pick up a little bit. It'd be difficult to break the all-time record, which was September figures, but we will see, uh, how it, how it goes for the rest of the rest of the month, but it's very close to the September figures. It drops slightly, but it seems like it's maybe one or 2% for condos tunnels. I mean, look at this. This is incredible. I mean, it's pretty much flat throughout the entire year, which is very hard to see something that consistent. 
So that's it's very good because interest rates have dropped significantly since earlier in the year. So it gives you an idea that uh, your monthly payment amount would be significantly less for the same price. So at the end of the day, a lot has to do with not just a combination of, sure, the price of what you buy it for is meaningful, but you also want to more importantly do figure out what is your actually monthly expenditure and how does that compare? And are you comfortable with that number versus rent or versus you know your living um, budget? That's the most important thing to, to take a look for. So that's Santa Clara residential. Contra Costa County. Contra Costa County, on the other hand, continues to increase, right? I mean, you can see October is looking like another record month. September had the slowdown, but October has picked up again. We're above a million dollars for a single family residential in Contra Costa County. Incredible. When it comes to condos, townhomes, looks like it has continued to increase as well. A little bit lower than the August months, but but I would say a, a slight increase over the year. So something to be aware of Contra Costa County. And how about Alameda County? Alameda County, similar thing. Um, October is matching September at this time, which are record highs. Uh, as an all-time record high, something to be aware of when it comes to Alameda County for residential single family. Condos, townhomes, on the other hand, has been relatively flat. You can see that September figures were a little bit higher, but October is uh, kind of what it was back in, in August. So a little under $700,000 or so. Well, I hope this was helpful. Um, this was a little bit longer because there was a lot more news to cover and mainly a lot more corporate announcements related to their strategies that I want to give you my thoughts and insights about. Uh, but of course, if you or anyone you know is considering to buy or sell in this real estate market or even invest, I'm actually going to be doing a calculator probably either next week or the following week showing you investment ratios or investment projections when it comes to buying, let's say, in the Bay Area versus buying in Austin, right? which is a very popular destination. I love Austin. It's a great place. Um, so people can kind of understand the math as well of which one is actually a better investment for investors. You may be surprised. Um, so I think you'll like it. Uh, it's very detailed, uh, which is how I think and how why my approach is much more analytical than most. But either way, if there's any questions, anything I can help you with, or if you want a sneak peek on that calculator, I can send you the Google Sheet link itself. You can already start playing around with it. I'd love to get your thoughts on it. But uh, other than that, I'll see you at the next video next week. Have a good weekend. Bye now. Thank you so much for making it to the very end of my podcast. If you are tired of renting in the Bay Area, are a homeowner looking to do a trade-up for a bigger home, or are a real estate investor, I would love to connect. Click on the Calendly link and let's set up a time to talk. It's never too early to talk about options and to work out a game plan. I also do have an email newsletter, so sign up on the link in the show notes, or you're welcome to watch all of my content on YouTube. See you at the next one.